Welcome everyone to another episode of the Empower Podcast. Baraj, Abby, and myself are back again to continue empowering business students by speaking with experienced industry professionals and gaining key insights from their journeys. Today we're joined by a special guest that is Arjun Sudhakarn, who is currently a manager of international recruitment for a big four firm in Canada. So to kick off this episode, Arjun, could you share a little bit about yourself and your journey? Hey, uh, thanks so much. Uh, so um, I- I'll try to start this uh, in terms of my uh, professional journey. So to give you an idea of, I finished a bachelor's in hospitality a long time back. I'm, I'm a graduate of a school in uh, Mumbai. Uh, it's no, it's called IHM. Uh, basically, it's one of Asia's oldest hospitality management schools. Uh, as you can see, I've not you know, continued with the career in hospitality. I mm-hmm. have been associated with human resources since. Uh, I, uh, I started my career with IBM, uh, working in downstream recruitment. And um, eventually, I have uh, pursued formal education in human resources through a master's degree uh, in work in organizational psychology from the University of Nottingham and a postgrad certificate from uh, the Confed- from Confederation College in Thunder Bay, where I've done a, a human resources management post certificate again. And um, uh, since then, I have worked in uh, various recruitment capacities. Uh, I've worked with recruitment agencies, uh, banks, and consulting firms. And uh, yeah, uh, as you pointed out earlier, I, I work uh, with one of the big four firms as a manager for international recruitment. Uh, my focus has primarily been audit and hiring CPAs, uh, experienced hired candidates for the firm. And um, so that, that, that is me in a nutshell. I hope I've not missed out on something that may be important there. Yeah, one thing I took from there is the fact that not only did you have all these different experiences, but they're in a lot of different areas as well, right? From completing your post-secondary education at the University of Nottingham in Central England to now working in Canada for one of the big fur firms. How challenging has it actually been to adjust to these different countries and these different cultures while still trying to pursue these different career goals? Uh, you know what, like, uh, I, I think one of the, uh, if, if I was to make it sound like, I, I, I could make it sound like I did this all on purpose, but uh, to be completely <laughs> honest, uh, it, it's one of those things where I was still in the van- wandering phase uh, early in my life. Uh, I'm sure mm-hmm. some of you may arrive there at some point, but uh, uh, yeah, like, like you pointed out, it's a, uh, I, I think the first time I moved to England, um, many years back, uh, it was a cultural shock, definitely, because um, I, I, you know, I've lived and worked in India before that, but you live in a very insulated environment. You you live amongst other Indians, although you've uh, moved across different cities. So uh, mm-hmm. there, there is a short adjustment period, uh, culturally and professionally. Uh, you, you tend to um, start understanding some finer nuances, and. Uh, I mean, when I do speak about England, I eventually moving to Canada itself was a huge shock. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I'll tell you why. Like the first time I moved here, I'm like, why are the cars so big? Why are the trucks so large and noisy? <laughs> why do they need trucks? <laughs> so, uh, you know, something like that uh, to really understanding the Canadian job market as well. It, it's a journey. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 I think it's not a journey any different from, you know, somebody who's a young professional in Canada trying to explore the job market and understand its intricacies. But for me, coming in as an experienced professional here, 
trying to wrestle with the system of uh, you know uh, seeking canadian experience as such um, i i think it was very interesting uh, it, it has been a few years since i have uh, so to say broken through that system and i'm on the other side uh, but uh, it's challenging but it's uh, an enjoyable journey in its own right and i think that journey point is really big because a lot of business students especially come over from international countries to pursue education in canada and they definitely go through that journey or being lost as well so i think that's a really good point as well and for today's episode there are kind of two main things that we want to kind of touch on which is you know recruitment from an hr's perspective and also what an hr career looks like in depth so i think the best way to start is recruitment from an hr's perspective so kind of keep diving deeper and gaining value on questions that students might not be comfortable asking HRs right away. So one thing we want to first touch on was it's obvious that recruiters get a ton of reach out emails, right? And they're not able to reply to all of them because just for the time's sake. So what would you say is one advice that you would give to maximize the chances of having a successful reach out to a recruiter? I mean, that's that's actually a good point uh, because something I've noticed is like, it's uh, humanly impossible for me to actually attend to some of those emails by now. I, a few days back, I put up a posting and uh, the response to that was actually about three to 400 networking requests and wow. about 40 or 50 in-mails. And oh uh, now here's the thing, like some of them are extremely relevant, some of them are not, but I still have to go through the volume of it and take an educated guess sometimes to actually, uh, you know, uh, do justice to those messages that have come through. Yeah. So sometimes those are entirely not relevant, the, the in-mails I end up receiving. Uh, what, what happens is, I, I, I think it, the responsibility lies on both ends, on my end to sort of go through this uh, mm-hmm. in-mail and respond in a sense where uh, I need to see if their skill sets are relevant. But on the other side, there's some responsibility on the candidate side too uh, in making sure that their in-mail credit is, uh, you know, used well. Uh, uh, you're losing on in-mail credit when you do that. So, <laughs> so uh, in essence, I, I think uh, it makes sense for uh, the candidate to research. Is this really the recruiter I want to reach out to? Um, mm-hmm. uh, like when I pointed out to the fact that earlier in the introduction, right, that I'm an audit recruiter, more often than not, I have technology guys reaching out to me and mm-hmm. telling me about obscure technologies that I've not heard of and uh, asking me if, if I can look at their resume and find them a job. Like, I, 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 as much as I'd like to, I, I don't think, uh, you know, firstly, it's not my domain. Secondly, I don't have the capacity to, uh, you know, get somebody a job. So uh, I, I think uh, what I like to see, you have to look at it from the point of view that, while I'm a recruiter, I'm also a candidate from time to time. So mm-hmm. uh, what I tend to do, I use this exercise where I, I firstly, is the recruiter relevant? Do they, secondly, do they recruit for the relevant skill set that I'm looking for? And uh, I, I also tend to see, you know, sometimes it may be a little obscure. You may not be able to really figure out hey do they recruit for the relevant skill set uh, so a good way to check is the company website there's sometimes like i know for a fact the firm i work for has listed me out on the uh, well on the corporate website right and then thirdly another exercise that takes all of two minutes go check their old postings what have they been recruiting mm-hmm. for 
um, if you go to my profile and you start checking out my, uh, you know, the kind of things I've posted, uh, it won't take you a long time to figure out I've only been not recruiting for audit roles and advisory roles to some degree. And uh, you'll see uh, it, it, is, it has absolutely nothing to do with some of the technology roles that people have been reaching out to me for. Uh, so, uh, yeah, um, I, I'll... I, I, I guess that that is uh, some base level advice I can offer. And on, on the other hand, like typically, you know, I, I think it helps to keep the messaging simple, like um, mm-hmm. to keep it short and relevant. Um, honestly, some of these responses I can receive from time to time can be an entire page long. So it makes me uh, think of it like, oh, yeah, there's probably a template they have. <laughs> just change the name and send it out. <laughs> and I, I don't mind that. Sometimes if it's relevant, I'll speak to them, right? But uh, at the end of the day, if you can, if it can be, if it's just a simple connection request, just send it out. You don't need 400 pages of, you know, <laughs> uh, I've conquered many kingdoms. <laughs> so uh, it, it helps short and sweet, you know, like um, you never know, it may be just have a conversation too it doesn't always have to be uh you know some, something more detailed there yeah and uh yeah uh I, i'm sorry i may have just rambled on but you can bring me back <laughs> no, on track <laughs> and no i just wanted to, yeah i just want to add like i think basically like a summarize it's kind of like you have to be well researched you kind of have to really figure out if this is the person you want to contact and you have to show that you're well researched and try to be concise as possible but still, even then, like, I know that a lot of times can, people can do those, to follow those tips, and it's still sometimes difficult to not get responses. And it's not really the recruiter's fault because they may have just missed it because they have so much volume to cover, right? So how many times do you think a student should follow up that initial message, if any? Uh, honestly, I, I think uh, you can follow up. Uh, it, it happens. Like, if you're dealing with a lot of volume, it happens. And sometimes yeah. you may be somebody that, is very relevant uh, to what they're trying to recruit for. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it helps in two ways, though. You want to cover your bases. You want to reach out to the recruiter. But it always helps to apply directly as well. Uh, because uh, in, in some cases, right, like I, I'll speak to somebody and they, they'll apply to all the jobs that the company has. Mm-hmm. Well, they won't apply to all the jobs. They want to apply for all the jobs that the company has to offer. <laughs> By the time I get to asking them, hey, have you applied though? They're like, no, not yet. You know, hopefully I will this week. I'm like, what? <laughs> you, you could have had this conversation with me if you had applied, you know? Uh, uh, because uh, I, I, I think it, just, it does help if uh, you're covering your basis. Uh, I, I think it's okay to follow up as well. Uh, follow up once or twice. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It, it may be a personal preference too, to be honest. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. mind a follow up. But uh, I, I think it's, it's all right to pursue if, if you're absolutely sure that, you know, this is the person relevant to what you're looking for. I think that's a good point. And I think that's something that students definitely might be confused about. It's like, should I follow up on this reach? reach I didn't get a response in the first place or am I being annoying? Should I just keep it at that spot right now? So I think that's really some good feedback. And also something that we've recently learned in the past couple of episodes is, when reaching out to recruiters is, is, as you mentioned, is two-sided. They're providing value to you, but you have to be able to provide some type of value back to them and make it worth their while on why they should talk to you, right? So 
you know, what ways would you say the undergraduate students can provide that value? Because I know as an undergraduate student, you might be thinking, well, I'm only a first or second year. What can I really provide for a recruiter? So what would you say any students can do to make it worth their while? So uh, take, take what I say here with a pinch of salt, because I'm not on the campus recruitment side, right? But uh, hmm. I, I have been a candidate and uh, being someone in the recruitment space. Uh, I, I think the, it, it helps to, uh, let, let me, let me, okay, rephrase this. Uh, depends mm-hmm. on what kind of jobs you're applying for again, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, especially like, uh, uh, you're in the, I, 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 I suspect you're more interested on the audit and the advisory side. That's something you're pursuing. Isn't that yeah. fair? So uh, I, I think there are a couple of aspects there, right? There's the client facing side. Uh, so <laughs> that's obviously your soft skills. And secondly, it's also a very technical sort of a role where you're working, uh, well, you're working on audits or you're working on specific engagements. Mm-hmm. Now, they know that your skills are not completely formed. They're at a phase where you have to also, you have to remember, this is a two-way exercise. The company also wants you. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're also trying to develop you into long-term research. Something I, I, I tell people is that, you know, some of these firms are great firms, not because, uh, you know, not because they're hiring the best person out there in the market, uh, you know, when they're 30 years old, but because they are bringing these people on as interns, they're uh, mm-hmm. investing in them, they're investing their time and resources to see them, well, hopefully if everything goes well, they are partnered 10, 12 years down the line. Uh, within the firm. So uh, I, I think um, it, it helps to really know or to at least start exploring specific areas uh, that you want to sort of have a career in. And it's okay to change your mind <laughs> later, right? But uh, mm-hmm. I, I think um, if you're making an approach, especially as an undergraduate student going into a specific area for the first time, just think about what, what are the relevant skill sets here? Uh, what what how can you sort of you know uh, project those skill sets? And mm-hmm. I I think something that is often ignored is look at what somebody has done. Somebody who's graduated out of your school in the last couple of years. So uh, it, it's it's a template at the end of the day. I think it yeah. there's a lot of value in reaching out to them and speaking to them and understanding. Okay, how did you exactly you know start your journey? What was the right point of contact? And uh, listen, attend as many of these campus events as you can. Uh, mm-hmm. It gives you an idea. It's also the company trying to, you know, uh, get you on board. It's not just one way here. Uh, the company sure. is trying to sell themselves to you. Uh, and uh, I, I think some sort of focus uh, in those initial years helps. It, it just helps lay a good base. You may decide to, to you may decide to change your path down the road, but uh, you know. Uh, it helps.
to sort of. I think that's how you make a perfect Marco. Perfect, because you kind of have to align your own and think of it. From the first what perspective, but no, listen, if you, if you want to get value out of it, you actually want to pay attention to the resume yeah. and you want to see, uh, okay. Uh, well, you want to actually examine the resume, right? Uh, mm -hmm. no, that said, you won't pay, uh, you won't spend three minutes on every resume you look at either, <laughs> but, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, the good, the good ones, the relevant ones, you'll definitely pay a lot of attention to, uh, I, I know as a candidate, not too long back, someone was selling me, uh, you know, something about, oh, my God, you should keep your resume to one page. That's how mm -hmm. consulting resumes are. Now, being on the other mm -hmm. side and, uh, you know, having hired for consulting firms and uh, well, audit firms as well, no one cares. Honestly, if you have three pages and those three pages are relevant and important, awesome. I, I want to know more about that. Uh, but... Uh, I will, as a rule of thumb, say, yeah, keep it to two pages because only for the, the fact that, you know, you're able to sort of sort within your brain the piece of information that is most relevant. Because at the end of the day, you still want to be able to talk about what's in there. You want to be able to talk about you uh, and elaborate on what you have put in your resume. Uh, so uh, if anyone's looking for good formats, you know, you can go to Google. Uh, docs.google.com you've got a couple of excellent formats there that you can look at uh, but uh, and at the end of the day you will tweak it to your own taste as well uh, all right so uh, coming to the point of cover letters I, I think especially as undergraduates right now it may be useful uh, because you're trying to you may not have a lot of work experience at this point, but you have some work experience and you want to uh, want to talk about how it is relevant. Uh, so definitely yes to cover letters, but it has to be relevant to what you're trying to sell. Um, sometimes I will go back to the cover letters if I can't really understand what's on the resume. Yeah. Uh, so um, it's 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 not uh, it's not a it's not necessary by any means, but it's uh, it is a nice to have. If you're trying to sell beyond what is on your resume. Yeah, one thing I'm kind of taking from this, and I was kind of shocked by when you mentioned that if you have a resume that is two pages or three pages, if, if there's stuff that's important there that you really want to explain, it's fine, right? And that's kind of surprising because one of the biggest stigmas at Shulik is that your resume should always be only just a page long. It should be cut off right there. And... So Can I tell you where that comes from? Uh, mm -hmm. 
you know, what I see is like, uh, there's this, so, okay, when you go on client-facing engagements, right, like uh, at a firm, you tend to present a one-page resume to the client itself so that they can choose uh, basically whom they want on their team, in a sense. <laughs> so that, I think at some point that someone started making that the standard outside, and it does not make sense. It does not make sense at all because it does not operate very well outside of that very specific environment. Uh, you are, your experiences are definitely more than one page long. And, uh, uh, you know, so um, I, I, I won't, see, uh, you know, if don't take me at my word for this, but experiment with it. Try the one page resume, try the two page resume, see what works better for you at the end of the day. Uh, because I make many versions of a resume during every job search uh, because the market gives you feedback. That, that's one of the best things about the market, right? When you're not hearing back from the market, it's telling you something without saying anything. <laughs> and uh, when you make, make some tweaks to it, you try to change the style, you try to change how, what kind of information you're portraying, maybe the market reacts to it favorably. So it's speaking to you again. It's saying, hey, you did well. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I, I think that, you know, that, that feedback function, uh, don't get discouraged by not receiving responses. Uh, between the time I've graduated from, uh, well, my human resources program at Confederation College and uh, my first job as a recruiter in Canada, I've applied to over 1,600 jobs without, you know, getting through. Mm. Uh, so um, it happens and it's okay. Uh, just it's, it's a part of the process. Uh, I mean, but uh, I, important not to beat yourself up during that time. Uh, you know, because in my case, I, uh, you know, took upon the great North American rite of passage of working in retail. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it's it, it, uh, so uh, important not to beat yourself up, but listen to what the market's saying, because it's giving you very... Mm-hmm. Uh, because sometimes we tend to cocoon ourselves and, um, you know, we, we, uh, uh, me included, like there's a te- tendency to, to make it uh, more negative than it needs to be about, hey, no one's looking at my resume. I'm not hearing back uh, from XYZ firm. Uh, don't worry about it. You do, you know, you, you keep changing the format from time to time. And uh, going back to your point, before I started rambling, uh, it's okay to have, uh, you know, uh, one or two page resumes, but do what is best for your profile, not what, you know, someone actually is telling you. Um, there's no one industry standard as such. Mm-hmm. I, I love how you mentioned that. I think what you kind of, that quote you kind of mentioned that you shouldn't cocoon yourself. I think that's so important and listeners should really take, take that in, in the sense that when you are applying to your dream roles and you're trying to find these matches with companies, it's so important to bring your authentic self, right? And sometimes with these different rules or stigmas that we hear, resume can only be a page, um, use this sort of template to reach out to a recruiter, all these different things are actually completely different from what someone like you as a recruiter actually looks for. And I think one thing I really got from that is that the most important thing is really being authentic. And if it does, take two pages for you to tell your story, that's fine. And I think that's such a such an important point. And now, moving on to the interview stage itself, other than the answers to specific questions that um, that are asked, are there some general tendency or things that you look for in a te- candidate during an interview? Um, I, I think 
Okay, so uh, uh, maybe I'll continue to ramble on and I'll make this into two further points. Uh, you know, uh, what I will look for uh, in a sense is uh, something that's specific to the role, right? Like uh, I, I tend to have this 70-30 sort of an idea. Your resume needs to be meeting 70% of the requirements of the job. Uh, okay. Say, uh, for example, uh, if it's some sort of a role in audit, it requires you to have specific experiences uh, relevant to audit. For example, what sort of industries have you worked with prior to this? What sort of, uh, well, what kind of financial reporting standards do you have experience with? And do you, uh, where are you on your CPA journey at this point of time? So uh, there's a technical skills that I'll look for. Uh, and that's something I'll ask about during the interview process as well. Uh, from a confirmation point of view, uh, just to, you have to remember as a recruiter at my level, uh, I am I, certainly not an ex, a subject matter expert, right? That is why mm -hmm. we tend to work with uh, hiring managers in the industry who ask those more technical questions. But uh, at my level, I do have some screening questions which qualify or disqualify individuals. Uh, uh, it, it's not to say that somebody's experience is not relevant, but when you're in a competitive market where you're competing with other individuals who have 100% of the requisite skill sets, that's where it sets you apart, uh, right? Uh, beyond that, from a behavioral point of view, you do ask behavioral questions uh, relevant to the job indeed. Um, you have to know like the kind of questions you'll be asking somebody at a, a more, uh, how, how do we put it? Like at an early stage of the career is different from what you'd be asking somebody who's a manager or a senior manager, mm -hmm. uh, because the sum total of their experiences are different. Uh, I, you know, I will not be emphasizing as much on, uh, well, if I'm speaking to somebody who's a manager, naturally the kind of questions I ask them is about, you know, their journey, what, what kind of client interactions they've had, what their longer term prospects are. Um, so, and their uh, interactions, clients and partners. But for somebody at, a, say, a staff accountant level or a, a junior consultant level, what I'm sort of focusing on is, uh, a, what are the relevant skill sets at this point of time? Uh, how have they undertaken their journey? What has been the intention behind it? Uh, and uh, how do they... I, I don't like asking the what's your five-year plan sort of question. <laughs> I, I don't know what my five-year plan is. So, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, more from a, a tangible two, three-year plan in terms of why are you doing what you're doing? Uh, you know, uh, what sort of skill sets have you gathered? Uh, think about it in terms of how can this specific role help you in that journey? And what are you hoping to accumulate in terms of skills? Uh, from this role and uh, then there's also uh, depending on uh, if it's a client facing role I'll be looking for communication skills uh, um, I, I'll be looking for how you know in a sense if you're being really rude to me I, I don't know if I want to present you to the partner and the hiring manager and be like hey uh, listen <laughs> because if you're rude to me you can be rude to the client as well that, that, that has implications in a sense and um, so uh, there are some there's tangible uh, as well as intangibles in there uh, 
but a good guide for someone to prepare themselves and follow uh, is you no know, go to any um, go to Google and look for behavioral style interviews. Um, I, I think uh, something I used to do before I went to interviews was go to Glassdoor. Sometimes they have hey, what kind of questions that they ask. <laughs> Sometimes I've noticed those were absolute lies, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but uh, it helps, uh, you know, to to sort of um, you must prepare though. Like it gives you, it gives you some sort of a model. Something I really used to like when I was preparing for interviews was I'd write down my responses because it allows you the time to articulate information. Uh, like you're able to form those responses in your head long before you actually do the interview. And speak about these things, um, you know, because you've already formed the idea in your head, and it's there. Um, so, um, yeah, like um, it's. Uh, I don't know if any of you uh, are like wrestling or jujitsu fans, but there's something about <laughs> the the more mad time you put in uh, that that sort of shows in terms of results as well. Mm-hmm. And I think I think those are some really good points. I think one thing is you know being polished as a candidate overall, just being able to you know do that interview in a presentable way to obviously, as you mentioned, show you that you can be kind facing, you can be put in front of a client. But also I like that one point that you touched on, which was, you know, portraying your journey, because I think one thing when it comes to interviews is being able to tell your story effectively and relate that to the specific role or the specific questions that you get. So I think those are some really key points, but now, you know, shifting gears a little bit from recruiting, uh, from the recruiter's perspective to more of a career in human resources. I know you've had experience in career human resources and you've had the education through it internationally as well. So what would you say, you know, what does a career in human resources journey look like after completing that undergraduate degree from a career progression standpoint? Um, so uh, I, I think in terms of the experience with human resources itself, I, it helps to, okay, here, here's something, I, I'll take one step back from where, what you mentioned, Avi. like uh, you said, mm-hmm. after completing the undergrad, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'll actually say like, uh, I, I think especially when you're, you know, maybe a year before graduating, I think you need to explore some opportunities within human resources. When I was in college for human resources, I was almost... N- uh, there's almost an emphasis in, uh, you know, human resources as such when you're in school to that, that anyone doing this program will become some sort of a human resources consultant or a human resources coordinator or an HR manager. Mm-hmm. I think because human resources can be broken down into so many different areas, uh, those areas and avenues need to be explored. Uh, you People need to look beyond just being a human resources, uh, you know, consultant or a manager. Like, uh, payroll is an option. Recruiting is an option. There are options mm-hmm. outside of, there's, well, um, employee relations is an option. There's, uh, on the consulting side, there's something called people and change. I'm, I'm not sure if mm-hmm. you've ever looked at that practice. Absolutely brilliant stuff. So, mm-hmm. um so I think that journey needs to start there, where you need to be uh, educated in the number of options that you have. I'm not really articulating that well, but what I want to portray <laughs> is that, you know, there's uh, beyond that umbrella term of human resources, there's, there's different avenues you should think about exploring. Now, mm-hmm. uh, I, I sort of say this because I, I think a lot of human resources graduates will agree with me. The entry point is really difficult. You really don't know uh, because there's not a lot of formal guideline on how to start a career in human resources. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because 
I know a lot of people with a specific, uh, well, there's a, there's a designation, a lot of uh, human resources professionals early in their career tend to chase after. I know a lot of individuals who have that designation who don't have jobs in human resources. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of individuals without that designation who have jobs in human resources. So uh, I, I think that information flow, uh, that they need to research into, well, basically what sort of skill set they'd like to pursue. Uh, it helps to speak to some human resources uh, recruiting and whatnot professionals in the field mm-hmm. just to understand uh, what pathways they can follow. What I recommended earlier, speaking to graduates of the same course helps uh, sure. to understand what their journey has been like. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I cannot emphasize enough on choosing programs where you have pathways to internships. Uh, because that that mitigates this problem of you know securing a human resources career somewhere. Um, at least you you get some relevant experience. Now I I may be biased, but I I think recruitment's a great place for young graduates to get into. Uh, the entry points far lower. Uh, the entry point just says, hey, can you speak to people? <laughs> can, can, you, can you process information? Uh, so uh, I, I think, um, so uh, typically if you cherish the possibility of a career in recruitment, I think agency recruitment is a good place to get into. It's, uh, it could be a great experience. It may or may not be either as well. Um, but uh, but what it gets you is, you know, uh, that relevant experience on your resume. Agency environments are fast-paced. You you have to speak to a volume of people and uh, you have to, um, you know, work with a multitude of clients. So you get exposure to different areas of industry, different businesses and different industries as such. Uh, what, what it gives you is that mad time that I spoke about earlier. Like mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, you do repetitions multiple times and it, it gives you that relevant practice and that confidence to approach a career outside agencies if you eventually choose to do that. Uh, I, I know there are a couple of great agencies out there, won't name any, but, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but there are some great agencies out there. And, um, you know, I, I think typically what you can do from that is uh, if you... Are so if you're keen to do that, you can explore a career in corporate human resources and mm. move into a corporate talent acquisition as well. Uh, which again sort of gives you a segue into moving into uh, the more traditional human resources forms. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, uh, again, uh, before uh, I'll, I'll stop rambling on after just saying, but if recruitment's not your path, I think it's. Uh, uh, again, there are, there are entry-level positions out there, but it is a very competitive market. Uh, I think it really helps to uh, uh, start small with some of these roles. Uh, it helps to make those connections on LinkedIn. It may or may not materialize. But mm-hmm. uh, also, um, uh, you know, um, if, if you are early in your career, you can pursue the CHRP designation uh, because one of the few merits there is you you have that opportunity to network with individuals, and mm. uh, you should take that upon. Uh, well, you should take uh, that as soon as you have that option available. Because uh, the sooner you have a network uh, in the industry, you may be able to mobilize yourself into a job. Mm-hmm. Just kind of building off that point that you mentioned at the end, 
I know in some industries, a master's is kind of important just to you know build your business acumen and understanding of the of the industry. But when it comes to HR, would you say a master's in a related field is a must? Um, actually, it, it, I, I I wouldn't say it's absolutely relevant. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it may be relevant if there's a specific avenue of the business that you want to pursue. I know there are mm-hmm. uh, MBAs being offered for human resources. Uh, but uh, I, I'm not sure a lot of individuals I know uh, in leadership positions uh, with human resources functions have done their masters. Uh, I, I think a lot of them do their bachelor's degrees and then they tend to have this postgraduate certificate within Canada. I know mm-hmm. if you're pursuing careers outside Canada, there's a lot of different individuals who have, well, who tend to get those human resources MBAs and work with i i think it is very country and region dependent in that sense mm. uh, but i don't think it is the most important thing uh i i think uh as with other industries uh, there tends to be continuous learning uh, because you have to see hum- with human resources the thing is uh you have to pay heed to well uh provincial and federal guidelines and um, th- that that's something you need to be constantly updated about right so mm-hmm. uh, I, I think there are many different learning avenues outside of master's degrees because well at the end of, when you're done with your master's you're not updating yourself with that information anymore anyway uh, <laughs> right. yeah and you, yeah, you, I think you bring a lot of insights to all, all these different people listening to a podcast. But one thing I was really curious about is learning about you and why you chose to pursue a career in HR. Was there a certain point when you were younger where you kind of just had, kind of just knew that HR was for you, or was it kind of something uh, along the way with the different experience, different experiences? Like, at what point did you really know HR was where you would want to pursue your career? Uh I'll tell you this, like, this is not a cool romantic story, obviously, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was a, uh, you know, hospitality graduate in 2008. So, right. uh, not the best year to get a job if you've just graduated. <laughs> mm. <laughs> because, uh, well, there was a great recession. And, uh, uh, and so uh, I, I actually chanced upon a career in human resources, as luck would have it. Mm. Uh, so... Uh, I'll tell you what, like, actually, when I got out to do my master's, I was like, I'll never, ever be a recruiter ever again. I don't want to do this. <laughs> That's not why I was like, I, 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 I didn't want to do that because, listen, uh, I, I don't think my prefrontal lobe was completely formed and I could not process this information <laughs> <laughs> you know, because uh, I, I did not really value the opportunity I had at IBM. And uh, it was a great company, like it gave me a lot of opportunities, but uh, I, I think in hindsight, you tend to see some of that. So uh, I, I got out, I, I did my master's program and it is actually maybe a couple of years after that, where I've been like, actually, I want to be a recruiter now. Cause I, you, and I'll tell you what changed that. I, I, I had this horrible job with the Starbucks that I used to. I, I hated it, man. Like, it was so, like, <laughs> because I, I was an introvert. And I'm more introverted than not. But, uh, uh, but actually, working there in retail, you were forced to speak to so many people all day. Mm. Uh, because Starbucks used to have this thing called, you must have a moment of connection with them. <laughs> like, <laughs> they don't need a moment of connection. They want to get their coffee and they want to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but like they, they literally force you and they'd have this these techniques on how to you know set up your conversation you know if it's the afternoon you have to ask them hey did you have your lunch how about a sandwich because you're upselling mm-hmm. <laughs> so i i think i became a little more you know uh what's the word i'm looking for like uh, so, sort of more comfortable with these conversations mm-hmm. and uh naturally one of the retail jobs i had required me to hire a bunch of people uh for a new store that i was setting up and uh actually once i did that i was like listen i just hired people and i didn't hate it how about i just go back to my old career and and i did that like and i came back like i started enjoying it now like you know in the last few years uh i think i started seeing the value in what i was doing uh i started getting better at it too because now i started taking interest in it and uh, i i've gone on from company to company like uh, i've worked with different skill sets i i think okay here's uh, here's what it'll sound a little grandiose but uh i think the shift happened in the sort of understanding what my role was where i was placed within the com- company it, it was not just to bring in bodies in there and be like okay here's two people for you but you sort of as as somebody in recruitment and talent attraction right your role is to sort of align with the strategic vision of the company the company wants to grow it cannot grow without the kind of talented individuals that they expect you to bring in and once you start looking at yourself as a uh, well as a tool or a medium of executing this vision uh i i think you'll understand the value of what it is that you're doing and it it, it you have to look at the big picture in those terms so yeah i i did promise it'll sound grandiose but uh <laughs> you know once once i started doing that i i could um i started enjoying my role more uh because now my goal shifted from just having these conversations at a base level to sort of really understanding what is it they want how long will they stay how will they add value and how can we add value to them so uh it, it's a great learning experience because more you speak to people uh more you start understanding people you know in terms of skill sets and behavioral patterns and uh you you tend to uh learn a lot about people and learn a lot about yourself as well yeah i think yeah i think hr can be a very uh interpersonal it's, it's one of the, it's obviously the most interpersonal role there is and i think you can make a lot of valuable connections out of there and i think we want to wrap up this episode one final it's kind of like a more fun question um do you think you have you can talk about any standout experiences of any interactions with interactions you um that really stood out to you as a big four recruiter this could be any like funny interactions or something someone that really impressed you any stand out experiences that you kind of had as a recruiter uh i i think one of the uh how do i say this right okay so uh, i i think one of the cool things about working with uh one of the with any of the big four firms i suppose is uh the kind of talent that you get to meet Uh, right mm-hmm. like i i want to think most of the people i'm speaking to regardless of what their final selection status is are mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant individuals uh because um there there's a certain quality that big four tends to attract and uh i i think uh, i i won't point out to any one particular individual but like uh i i think i tend to learn so much even from these interview processes 
just learning about really cool things that really cool technologies that they work in with things that are maybe not even happening here in Canada at this point of time because as you'd understand I am working with a lot of international uh, candidates as well yeah. so uh I want to think I'm the beneficiary of these conversations in having spoken to a few thousand people over the last couple of years. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, like, I don't know if that counts as cool enough, but yeah, <laughs> uh, so, so sometimes it's like, uh, you know, a little peek into the future uh, when I speak to candidates who are working on things that we're not working on here in Canada yet. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, yeah, I think uh, that's definitely one interesting aspect of it that you don't really think about is that like you can you can learn more from a candidate than you than you really expect because at that first you're just trying to interview them and figure out if they're right like if they're right if they're right fit for your firm but at the same time you're going through like a whole learning process about learning about them and you never know like coming out of the interview you could feel that you've learned a lot more than like you know that they have that's one of the cool things about being in hr and i think overall this is a perfect place to you know to cap off this amazing episode and as our very first guest from the hr industry um, we learned a lot about recruitment and HR, and I hope our listeners were also able to find value in this conversation as well. And once again, Arjun, on behalf of the entire podcast team, we want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come onto the podcast and share your journey. And with that being said, um, for all our listeners, stay tuned for the next episode of the Empower Podcast.